This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. This is the John Favreau's My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Welcome to John Favreau is My Daddy Podcast, the Woo-hoo. podcast for uh, people who like to talk about movies that don't necessarily have a movie background. I like how you say necessarily, like we factually don't have a movie. <laughs> N- neither of us got degrees in these things. You I took a what? class once though. You went to USC, USC. Oosk. And they, that's how we say the the name of the school. Yeah, fight <laughs> yeah. on, fight <laughs> on for old SC, as we say, as we say as on we, a daily basis. The Trojans say. <laughs> Monica likes to bring up the fact that I went to USC. I, I think every time I see her, which is a lot. So, yes, <laughs> I think it comes from a personal insecurity. <laughs> it's okay. You're valid. I'm valid. Fight the fuck on. I got a degree and then worked retail. It's okay, baby. <laughs> it's okay, baby. Um, Jessica, how are you? I'm doing well today. How are you? It's too fucking hot outside. That was my first thought this morning. Yeah, apparently there's like a heat wave. Well, it is Los Angeles. Allegedly. I, I don't I don't want anyone to like look it up and call me out on it. You don't I'm want not the weather, weather to sue you? No, I don't want the weather to you sue me. <laughs> I don't necessarily have the lawyers to combat the fucking weather, so I'm sorry about that. You don't want to cease and desist from the sun? Not necessarily. (laughs) Not today. Maybe tomorrow when I'm rich and famous. Uh, Go ahead and and, uh, rate, review, comment on Apple Podcasts. Help Monica get a lawyer 2K20. (laughs) Let's do the sun, baby. (laughs) Oh my god. Cast for mattress if you're listening, baby. I'm right here. Come at me. Brooklinen? Mm. Uh, All right. You uh, know what? Monica broke me. Everyone put on back. Let's oh, give uh, let's give the people what they want. What what are y'all here for? Let's say it. Let's hear it for the people in the back. Stanley. Tucci. <laughs> that was completely improvised, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't know what the people want. What are we about uh, to say? Stanley motherfucking Tucci. Stanley Tucci. Tucci, baby. Uh, a beautiful, beautiful man. The episode is titled A Sneaky Daddy because a lot of people don't necessarily see him as a daddy. Yeah. Uh, he is. <laughs> totally. <laughs> For those of you who don't, who haven't hopped on the Tucci train yet. Yeah. Uh, he very much is a daddy. He commands every single scene that he's in. He's in. He's a phenomenal actor. He's a great husband. Oh yeah. Uh, he's just an all around amazing guy. Yeah, guy. If Stanley Tucci didn't cause you to have a sexual awakening regarding bald men, then I don't know like what the I don't hell know you're the doing. Fuck you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna give you a little background info on the um, Tucci, the beautiful, beautiful man that is Stanley Tucci. So Stanley Tucci has a lot of similarities to our idol, uh, John Favreau, in a few ways. So he's an actor, a writer, a director, a producer, and most importantly, Monica, a former model. If mm. you've never seen um, Stanley Tucci's Levi's ad. Oh my gosh, the iconic <laughs> From Levi's the 80s. 
Do yourself a fucking favor. Go look. Go pee. I never thought that a high fashion company, especially then, would uh, like not not that Levi's is high fashion, but you know what I mean. A, a, a brand. <laughs> I never. You thought know I'd they sell them at Target now. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought a brand in the eighties uh, would hire a balding man, like an actively noticeably balding man as like a sex icon mm-hmm. but they did and they got it fucking right Absolutely. let me tell you that he looks so beautiful it's insane you know when i was a wee tot i i i felt a, a stirring in 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 my <laughs> tummy for in, in your loins for Stanley <laughs> Tucci. uh often mistaking him for patrick stewart what? As Professor X in X-Men? Do you just see all bald men as the same? <laughs> no, but for some reason, like, I was like, oh, I love that guy who plays Professor X. And in my mind, I'm thinking of Stanley Tucci. It's okay. You got you had the right person in your mind, at least. I know. I know I did. You know. Okay, so Stanley Tucci made his feature film debut in 1985 and since then has starred in so many films that we might have to Numerous. do a second episode uh, eventually. Who knows? Because... He's so consistently good at everything he does. He's not often like a leading man. <clears throat> He's usually like in these really incredible uh, supporting or like cameo roles. And so I think that's where so much of his star yeah. power comes from. He like carries every movie he's in it's it's incredible always the bridesmaid never the bride yes but he wears the he wears the shit out of that bridesmaid's dress oh totally he has been nominated for every major award including a tony and a grammy Mm -hmm. he's also a literal daddy to five children and lives in london with his wife felicity who is the sister of emily blunt Mm -hmm. yeah fun fact for all (laughs) you out there who was wondering uh indeed he and John Krasinski have babes in common. Yeah, he they're a part of the same family, which is just <laughs> fuck. That's fucking unfair. That's too much talent for one family, they're, and they're all so beautiful. <laughs> it's so annoying. It's just it's insane. I you know oftentimes I sit I sit in my in my living room chair and I think about <laughs> Stanley Tucci and John Krasinski sharing like a bourbon at Christmas time. Yeah, while their British wives just you know brit around. I don't know. While they Brit around? Yeah, while they Brit around. Like it's around. a verb? I don't know. <laughs> British people are so elusive and, and so up there in my book that I just, there's just, they need their own verb. That's Okay, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Stanley Tucci also has two cookbooks. Yes, um, he does. Which, you know, obviously, you know, Monica and I are uh, big fans of because we love to cook. We love to cook and we love a Stanley Tucci. <laughs> So that brings us to our first movie, uh, the first movie that Stanley Tucci became known for, which is Big Big Night, Night. released in 1996, directed by Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott, who is his high school best friend, and written by Stanley Tucci and his cousin, Joseph Tropiano. (laughs) So here's a little uh, (laughs) summary for you. Two Italian brothers, Stanley Tucci and Tony Shalhoub, run a failing Italian restaurant in New Jersey in the 1950s. Eager to outdo their rival Italian restaurant and its owner, Ian Holm, the two brothers plan an evening of fine dining featuring a celebrity guest in order to gain popularity for their restaurant and save it from demise. Dun, dun, dun. It sounds like a real fun time, but there it gets deep, this movie. I agree. It gets real deep. Yeah. And I would argue that the ending is entirely <laughs> unexpected and incredibly unexpected. A little sad. <laughs> uh, um, 
I would argue that it's not a little sad. I'd argue that it's depressing. Oh, so you're like, it's a lot sad. It's I thought you were going to be like, no, it's happy. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> it threw me into a spiraling depression. <laughs> Apparently, I, I read that they um, were going to sell the movie to someone big, some big studio. But they wanted them to change the ending. And uh, Stanley no. was like, absolutely fucking not. Because he's a daddy who has a plan. He has a plan indeed. Um, let's, you know what? Let, let, let's go for it. Let's talk about the famous dinner scene. Okay. What do you want to say about it? <laughs> I, first of all. Sounds like you have some ideas. First of all, before we even get to the dinner scene, they're in the kitchen. They're chilling. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they've taken their, their beautiful concoction out of the, I guess the oven. Oh, and the, um, the timpano, the is that pa- what it's called? Let me double check. I, I believe it's called a timpano because it's yes. like a timpani. It's called a timpano. And it's got like a crust. I don't know if you guys have ever like seen what this look like. Looks like. I'm sure you've already seen this movie if you're, if you're listening to this podcast. And or if you maybe not. Go watch it. Go watch it. Maybe watch it before we ruin it for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> full disclosure, massive disclaimer. If you're listening to this podcast and you think to yourself, there will be no spoilers on this podcast. You're this fucking is wrong. The same podcast. <laughs> you're wrong. You're absolutely incorrect. I mean, it's not like Monica and I set out to ruin movies for people. It's just like. Everything is fair game. Everything. So everything is fair game. Yeah. Levi's campaigns. Everything. So if you didn't want to know about any of that, you came <laughs> to the wrong fucking playground. But like, still uh, subscribe and re- or review the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> still subscribe and review. Um. Anyway, anyway, back to big night. Indeed. Um. They're they've got like the timpano and they're like you know they're like listening to it, licking it, doing all the things to licking it, licking it. Uh, Stanley Tucci literally like <laughs> kisses it. So yeah, um, he's so proud of it. He's so proud of it. Um, primo and secondo. <laughs> it, the fact that those are their names, which literally just mean first, first and, and second, second in Italian, is so so funny. Yeah, oh, bravo to Stanley Tucci for writing this movie. It's hilarious. But anyway, they're like they're like touching this like this timpano, and they. <laughs> Uh, Tony Shalhoub's character is like right about to cut into it, and Stanley Tucci just looks at him and is like, "No, no, 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 no," at the at the table, <laughs> and they just have this like <laughs> series of con- like they have this entire conversation in just okay's. They're like, "Okay, okay, 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 okay," like, but for some reason, like if you if you have a sibling, um, I love this movie because it shows like what that dynamic like really can be and like what family is and like how you can have those kind of could those kinds of conversations through food through gathering but most of all through okays yeah which the, each okay meant something completely different to them and we know this and it's, it was just a such a fun scene to to watch and to to think about like me communicating with like one of my siblings i only have brothers i don't know why i said siblings but you know just communicating with one of them and just saying okay when it really means i want to fucking burn your face off it's fine this movie the dialogue in this movie is absolutely hysterical and i feel like most of the i mean stanley tucci is very good in this movie but he's not like the funny character in the movie no the two funniest people in this movie are tony shalhoub who Mm. plays his brother and ian holm who's like the rival restaurant owner and i would argue ian holm really 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 steals the show man like uh (laughs) r.i.p to this guy you know him from um fucking uh the hobbit right yes yeah Uh (laughs) indeed he is absolutely incredible in this movie watch it just for him honestly but yeah i mean watch it for everything else Um, too i just this this movie is a is a is a phenomenal food movie um Mm -hmm. which they're they're just 
if you really think about it, there, there aren't a lot of like food movies out there. I think Big Night, in my mind, thinking like about all of like my favorite food movies, it's definitely in like my top like five. Yeah. Um, it just really shows like I read this article or this review <laughs> and it talked about how like they use food as like a language in this film. Mm-hmm. And I really, really appreciate that. I think that that definitely resonated with me just in general about like gathering and, and trying to fight for something. So like if something really matters to you, like fighting for it is really important, but also like sort of letting go of some of that so you can please more people is a, is something that's very inherently within the restaurant industry. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's like in order to feed your family, you have to change family and tradition like recipes. Yeah, it's there the food in this movie is so tied to their um culture. their culture and their family history and even down to like the end where Tony Shalhoub is talking about moving back to Italy so that they can like continue to do what they want to do because if they were to stay in New Jersey they would have to americanize things. Yep. Um and you get a really funny glimpse of that that like inner debate that they're having at the beginning where a customer <laughs> who actually the the actress I forget her name but she goes on to play Tony Shalhoub's wife in uh the marvelous Mrs. Maisel oh my goodness you're absolutely or, sorry right. not his wife no uh, the, no, no the um, the wife of the his in-law basically yes, 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 yeah, yes. yeah yeah um she wants to order like a side of spaghetti with risotto and <laughs> Stanley Tucci is trying to explain to her that like no risotto like it's pasta. Like I'm not mixing those stars. No. <laughs> and Tony Shalhoub is like like the head chef. And so Stanley Tucci goes back and he's like, she wants a side of spaghetti. And Tony Shalhoub just like loses his fucking he mind. Loses it. It's, it. It is one of the funniest scenes that I've ever seen. There are a lot. There are so many really good moments of like verbal comedy mixed with really incredible physical, physical comedy. comedy. Oh yeah. In this like that mm. whole exchange between Stanley Tucci and Ian Holm where they're in his office and you see that lamp. It's in the center of every shot and it's covering Stanley Tucci's face for the entire scene. And you're like, what the fuck is going why is there just a lamp covering his whole fucking face? And then you realize later that it's like a physical comedy bit. <laughs> And you're like, oh, they're in it for the long joke. This is good. They're like, you know, there is the the art of the bit, right? Yeah. And, you know, when you're doing a bit with like friends, there is no long bit. It's like the short bit, but they're in it for the long bit. They're they really the, go. Throughout really the entire going. film, Ian Holmes' whole thing, he just keeps trying to bite Stanley Tucci's butt, which <laughs> like I can relate, but <laughs> like a Joja Peach. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really beautiful, but <laughs> nice and uh, juicy, round, firm. Oh, yeah. Fuzzy. <laughs> we don't know. Peach like. <laughs> but but yeah, there's so much, so much good comedy in this. Uh, it, it really shows you like what Stanley Tucci loves to write because you see a lot of it in like The Imposters as well. Yeah, you do. So yeah. uh, another great Tucci film, The Imposters, you know. Not today. We're, we're not no, there's, there's a lot wrong with that movie now. But <laughs> uh, so if you want to see it for some like prime Stanley Tucci. Like a farce. Almost. Yeah, farce. Yeah. Um, so, so much physical comedy. It's too much. One might argue. <laughs> <laughs> Watch that movie. Um, yeah, but I think that's one of the reasons why Big Night really shines for me. But then it has such a, so many dramatic undertones. Yeah. Um, like the romance in it. Oh, yeah. With like Alice and Janney's character mm-hmm. and Minnie Driver's character. Mm-hmm. Oh, makes me so beautiful. sad. It make, it's but so like, beautiful. Yeah. It's like 
beautifully said. <laughs> yes. And I think that comes to like the all the way to the ending scene, which is like I honestly one of the most impactful um scenes I've seen. <laughs> scenes you've seen. Scenes I've seen in a long time. Because like I feel like I feel like in dramas a lot of the time when it gets to that like big ending scene, they make it very clear that it's gonna be like and this is the dramatic end of the film. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, you don't really like know what's going to happen. And because there was so much comedy, you're like, I don't know where this is going to go. And then it's just a really, it's like, I don't how Somber. long even is the end scene? It's quite long. Yeah. And it's just one shot of Stanley Tucci making an omelet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Monica just got really sad. I just got really in, in my feelings, as the kids say. I don't know. I just that moment. I I just remember like being deeply affected by it because yeah, I love movies that take you on like a roller coaster of emotions. I think that some of the you know Tucci's, I mean, a test a testament to his writing abilities. But yeah. I just think that the pay, it's the payoff, right? So like you're watching this film. It's hilarious. It's got insanely dramatic and emotional undertones and you think to yourself like you know I'm belly laughing and crying kind of at the same time in this film and it's a little bit um it's it's definitely different than a lot of other films that I've seen I don't I if you stop and think about it like I I I cannot think of another film that is like Big Night I think that it's Mm -mm. incredibly unique and I think that the emotional payoff in the end is so slow burning but worth it well it's kind of I think it's like the food in the movie absolutely the same way it's the which is a that's a great metaphor. Thanks. I just think that yeah, absolutely. In in a way that a lot of the food is in the movie, you know, authentic, you know, slow making, but a beautiful payoff, you know, in the end with, yeah. a, with a nice filled tum tum. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the movie made me feel like I ate a whole delicious meal, and I I really appreciate it. And I was sad when it was over. Me, me too. But uh, <laughs> thankful I got to experience it because by the end you're just like this movie is so light in some ways, but so, so grounded in others. Mm-hmm. And you get to see a lot of really beautiful boys. Oh, so many beautiful boys. Mark Anthony is in this movie, says, I think, one <laughs> one line. I think he speaks for the first time 50 minutes into the movie, but you see him constantly. <laughs> beautiful jawline on that boy. Oh, we love his jawline, Mark Oh, Anthony. he's so cute. Oh, Chayla, what did you do? Oh, my God, stop, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, we really love this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we, we can end uh with the dinner scene, talking about the famous dinner scene that we just never never got back to. <laughs> um I don't know, you know, we've already established before that we have spoilers, but they take the timpano <laughs> that we were talking about earlier into the dinner room, like the dining room. Mm. And, like, everyone's waiting for it. And they, like, slice it open. Everyone's eating. There's, like, a montage of, like, people eating it and, like, enjoying it. And um, this fucking guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He goes. He takes one bite. Finishes it. And goes. God damn it. It's so fucking good. I could kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which, you know is like such an like just 
if if you guys have seen the scene, like you'll know, like all of the orgasmic faces mm-hmm. these people are making, like the sounds, the like, just you you know that this this dish is like fucking phenomenal, and this guy, he's so annoyed at how <laughs> delicious it is which is definitely a feeling that like i've felt before oh yeah where you're just like pissed off you're pissed the fuck off yeah and how good this is <laughs> like it's so uh if anyone else has like felt that i'm sure it's 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 definitely universal but like you yeah. you're so viscerally angry at like like why how is this so delicious like how could you do this to me so i thought that was pretty fucking funny yeah, I and I think so it's myself. how I feel about the movie as a whole, 100%. quite honestly. I'm I'm kind of pissed off, actually. <laughs> it was just so enjoyable. And um, I have a little quote I want to read, Monica. Please do it. From Please Roger it. Ebert himself. We love. He, he loved this movie. He wrote a review about it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the review, he said this. Now here is their labor of love, their perfect risotto. They include just what is needed and nothing else. Watching it, I refer... I reflected how many Hollywood movies these days seem to come with a side order of spaghetti and meatballs and mashed potatoes. So that's what you need to know about this movie. It's mm. just so good. And so good. in in every way. Go I watch this it. Movie. Go watch it. Enjoy enjoy it with some pasta. See. Si. <laughs> but not with a second side of pasta. And no mashed potatoes, please. No, please. Don't mix your starches, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. No, you heard it here first. Actually, you heard it here. Second. <laughs> Please go watch Big Night. <laughs> Alrighty. Let's take it back to Flavortown. That is uh, New York City. <laughs> New I was York, like, where is Flavortown? USA, baby. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I went on a New York trip last year and I was really determined to like eat my way through. Yeah. I didn't. I ended up eating like at Vapiano like 5,000 times, <laughs> which is not. Like a New York staple. It is a chain. <laughs> it is a pasta chain. It's a franchise. So uh, I will say that I failed. But you know what? Andy Sachs did not fail. She did not fail. Uh, she also didn't eat in the movie. I think she we didn't. should make that clear. This this movie <laughs> hates food. <laughs> this movie hates food and food stains. Because you know what this mm-hmm. movie is? The Devil Wears Prada. Yes, ma'am. 2006 baby directed by david frankel written by aline brosh mckenna based on the novel by lauren weisberger did you know that there was a novel i did actually. i didn't oh okay before i wrote this <laughs> before you wrote it in the notes before i wrote it in the in the notes i did not know that it was a novel i'm actually pretty stoked to read it myself i just want to see there's what the a sequel are. really yeah i, I want to i think there's a second book but yeah that's exciting mm-hmm. but to give you some background on this film Andy Sachs, who we were talking about earlier, is played by Anne Hathaway. She's the main character. Uh, She's a college graduate and aspiring journalist who lands a job at Runway, a Vogue-esque fashion magazine in New York City, where she becomes the second assistant, not the first, very important. Yeah, not the first. To the powerful and ruthless Miranda Priestly, who is played by the beautiful Meryl Streep. Oh, we love her. The magazine's so editor-in-chief, very similar to like an Anna Wintour character, just yeah. for people listening. Uh, when she originally took the job just to gain experience, Andy receives a makeover from stylist Nigel Stanley Tooch. Yeah, baby. And becomes so absorbed in the world of high fashion that her life and priorities begin to change. After facing countless challenges alongside Miranda's first assistant, Emily, played by Emily Blunt. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Andy is forced to make a change about which path her life will take. Who will she choose? Who will she be? What will she write? <laughs> Who knows? We don't know. We do. We do know. We do know. The ending of the movie tells you. Um, Precisely. How do you feel about this movie, Monica? I fucking love this movie. I also love this movie. I will say, though... I don't think it aged as well as I expected it to. Uh, no, I obviously recently had to watch it for this podcast. We do do our homework. I just hope that we everyone knows We rewatch everything for we, the most part. Uh-huh. That's, think about it. That's like hours of, of, of film watching we're doing for you. Do you know you. what we're doing for you? For you. It's, a, it's also a lot for us. The listener. <laughs> but truly, I rewatched it. It did not have the same, like, nos- like, not nostalgia, but like, it didn't have the same, like, funky feel that it used to have i remember i remember when i first saw this movie and i was like this is so fucking cool yeah like this movie is so cool and granted i was 11 years old yes, when this came out <laughs> but i rewatched it probably in like my late teens like 18 and i still thought I still like it. i was like oh this movie has like really good performances in it and is really relevant and now i'm like uh, i don't know it's still good it's I I think that specifically the reason why we chose this was because Stanley, you know, Anne Hathaway maybe maybe the main character and yeah. Meryl Streep maybe like the the big name star in it, right? Mm-hmm. But Stanley Tucci's character takes the fucking cake in this film. Yeah, even though he's not in like a ton of the movie, and I would he's very much supporting. Yeah, I would say he's not in like sixty percent of the movie. Yeah, but his character is vitally important to the film because he. As, like, his character, Nigel, guides Andy to being, like, who she is. And is almost, like, like the moral compass of, of the whole movie. He is, but he also has, um, like, there are things about his... Like, he, he guides her morally, but his own morals oh, are still fuck. a little, like, shifty. They're so shady. Because he, he just, like, actively participates in, like, how fat shamey and, like, body dysmorphic this entire Indeed. movie is. Mm-hmm. Like, he literally toasts her with champagne when she goes from a size six to a size four which you know <laughs> uh, just high pick squeal high pick squeal really? to, to it, it is it is what the movie is about indeed though so like you can't mm-hmm. be too mad at it because that's just what that's what the world is right i, I guess i guess yeah Look, one thing that we can talk about with this with this film and specifically tucci's role in it is yeah. you know providing the context that like the fashion industry is what it is mm-hmm. we sort and the reality is it still is what it is yeah and when you take that into consideration and you apply that to the performances in the film mm-hmm. sure right sure. like it's good if you take that I, personally i am a i would not be opposed to like a remake of this film sure yeah uh I'm just saying, but I think that's where Stanley Tucci plays Miranda Priestly. Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. Um, I'm just saying just, just for the purposes of like us talking about this film, let's just discuss it as like being something that is of the time period with the, with the fucking industry that it's in. Yeah. Uh, I think that Stanley Tucci provides a sort of, let's say that this is like a very rich pasta. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I think that Stanley Tucci provides like the cut of acid that you need to like balance out all the flavors. Yeah. There's a lot of strong characters in this. <laughs> There's a lot of strong characters in this <laughs> film. And I think that Andy being so personally kind of bland. Yeah. He provides like the zest that she needs mm-hmm. to be able to be something that's memorable. 
Yeah. Because he recognizes that like, this is what this industry is. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't agree with it, it is, and he literally says it's like, it's a beacon of hope Yep, for so many people. And so if that's what it is to you, there are certain things you need to do and need to be. And she just like, doesn't get that. And Mm -hmm. he, he's the one who reinforces that and shows that like, even if it fucking sucks, there are people who are passionate and who care about that. And if you don't, like, that's fine. But get the fuck out because Precisely. we don't need to waste our time with people who think it's just a bunch of, like, nonsense. Right. So many death glares from him. So, so many. So many. <laughs> uh, and he, he has perfected the, like snotty death glare in this film yeah with those with those little like thick circular glasses that he just like perches on his nose i know (laughs) perches he doesn't wear them he perches them i know he just looks so fabulous so fabulous and you know obviously there's the iconic scene with miranda Priestley and andy Sachs and you know the the blue belt yeah and talking about like oh well this is not just blue this is Oh, but she's talking about her sweater. Oh, sorry, her sweater. Yeah. But but the 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 scene is just like about like oh these belts are so different. Yeah. And she you know Andy Sachs the character, the Anne Hathaway's character. Yeah. She's like fucking giggling because she's like this is so fucking absurd. The belts look exactly the same. Yeah. And Miranda Priestly's like fuck you bitch. <laughs> no, they're not the same. And I bet you, you thought that that fucking sweater that you're wearing is like an anti-fashion choice. Well, guess what, bitch? It's not. (laughs) She doesn't say bitch as many times as Monica is saying it. But (laughs) Monica, I have a question. When you first Mm -hmm. saw this movie and you saw those two belts, did you think that they were the same? Okay, because when I saw it, I was like, they're different. (laughs) No. Uh, I guess for for people who are listening, Jessica and I have very different styles, just in general, which is funny because we're kind of matching today. Yeah, we are. Uh, But that's not the point. The point is that we have incredibly (laughs) different styles. Uh, We also have different needs when it comes to fashion. Exactly. And, uh, you know, no. The answer is no. I did not (laughs) fucking think that those belts were any different. completely different buckles. (laughs) And they are different thicknesses. Um... (laughs) I guess neither you know, of one, neither of them went with that fucking dress that they were putting it with. But that's a different. That's true. Story. That's that's a time period is what it is. <laughs> that's the, that's 2000s. I just love his line. Stanley Tucci's line when he looks at the dress and he's like, give me a full skirt and a hint of saloon and we're in business. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so I relate to that. Yeah. Um, I like that they actually give him like a purpose and also, like, aspirations that were fucking crushed by Miranda Priestly yeah. at the end when she's, like, taking over. I forget what, what exactly she's taking over, but um, she, so they're, they're, um, they wanted to get Miranda Priestly, like, out of runway. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And so and she, she took the position with, like, the rivaling fashion house that was supposed to go to stanley no 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 no. so she she had so she had referred stanley tucci for a position with that um designer friend Mm -hmm. of hers and so like that was gonna happen and then they were gonna bring in jacqueline follet oh yeah yeah, yeah. french runway (laughs) and they were gonna kick miranda out and the only way so that miranda could stay editor-in-chief of runway was to um, give the position that was originally Stanley Tucci's, give it to Jacqueline. Jacqueline. And then she just like ruined Stanley Tucci's dreams. Right. And so, but the, the reason why I point this out is because there's the moment at the, at, 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 mm-hmm. at the dinner. There's the moment at the table 
where he is looking at Andy and he's like, you know, my moment will come, you know, she'll pay me back Mm -hmm. or she'll, she'll get me back for this. Right. Like, you know, I, (laughs) he's like clapping and he's like, you know, I, it's not my time right now. Like that's, that's she'll get me back. She'll, she'll get me back. Yeah. And Andy's like horrified. And obviously like that's Mm -hmm. the moment, that's the moment in the movie where she realizes like, this is not where I want to be. Like, this is not who I am. Yeah. She realized that even if she becomes Stanley at Stanley Tucci's level, she's still going to get stomped all over. Exactly. Um, which, you know, Stanley Tucci gladly took. Yeah. Because that's his dream, but it's not Andy's dream. Exactly. So, you know, I like that. I like that little acting moment for him where his face kind of fell and he realized exactly what was happening and, he sort of understood that like he was the the sheep out to slaughter and he it was either be slaughtered or not work at the place that he's wanted to work at since he was a little boy sewing sewing away so i will say though that that like speech that he gives andy when she first comes in and she's like this is right before the makeover and they're talking um about the magazine and he's talking about like what it meant to him and he's like and you know you're you're upset because she doesn't like say thank you and give you a gold star at the end of the day. And it like inspires her in that moment. But when I watched it this most recent time, I was like, what a sad place to be, to like be content with no validation, with no validation and in a thankless job. And you think that that's just like how it has to be that like power and thanks and gratitude can't like coexist in any way. And that it made me sad for him that like, that was his dream and he's living in his dream but it kind of sucks but it fucking sucks because like imagine what he would be like if he was in that position and miranda was saying and also thank you nigel um i agree i also think that it has a lot to do with the fact that she's a woman yeah in a position of power that's true and you know there's like the the phrase like like clawing your way to the top like Mm -hmm. there's a reason why it's claws and not daintily placing (laughs) fingers on ladder (laughs) rungs right so i think that you know over the years she's i don't i can't say that she's always been this way sure but what i can say is that you know a lot of a lot of powerful positions like that like if you're a woman there's a lot of like for lack of a better word like bitchiness or like ruthlessness that you have to have in order to survive and in order to get people to like respect you sure i think that she did something that is not necessarily good right Mm -hmm. where where she she became so mean and so ruthless that in order to earn people's respect that you know it's more fear now than it is respect and i think that you know for tucci to, to unfortunately be in a position where like as a little boy dreaming of working at runway and then finally getting to work at runway and then realizing that like the woman in power is not necessarily going to thank him for every stitch or every idea it's it's definitely soul crushing but then you look at it on the other side of the coin and realize like well what did she have to do to get there yeah you're right she's a woman and if if she were a man i'm sure he would be like patting everyone on the back and being like, yo, what's up? Like, good job. <laughs> but uh, she's a woman. And yeah. I think that I think that we should give credit where credit is due and understand that, like, unfortunately, we're in a world where she probably, and a time period at that time, where she probably had to do something like that to, to be able to get to the top. So, yeah. and, and at a cost. I mean, she's divorcing and it's, and she lives in kind of a cold and sad house and mm-hmm. it's just not the life that she wants, but because she's a woman and she loves fashion and she wants to be editor in chief. Well, there you go. That's what it has to be. That's what she wrote, baby. Yeah. 
Oh. Well, this is depressing. <laughs> the Devil Wars Prada is a fun movie. Yeah, it's absolutely fun. I think that we definitely dove into it from a <laughs> more cynical angle. From a more cynical angle. But, you know, it is a very fun movie. And yeah. I, I want people to remember, like, if you like this movie, it is okay to like this movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, we like this movie. And we have different, you know, differing views than this movie has and mm-hmm. we love this movie yeah um it's just it's a matter of like taste and and how you, how comfortable you feel um watching a film and i think that once you get past like all of the undertones mm-hmm. and the time period and like the if, if you apply context then the film could be really fun and we love and the we fact that Anne Hathaway's boyfriend in it is the real villain. I know. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy, man. Yeah. Why would you not support your fucking What's girlfriend? What's the actor's name? Adrian Grenier? Something is that his other. name? I think so. <laughs> he's an entourage. But he's just so rude the whole time. He's so unsupportive of her dreams. It makes me very sad. So Miranda is not the villain in this. It's Miranda uh, truly is in right, like providing context. It's Nate. The way the that she had to claw her way to the top. We can't fucking blame that bitch. Mm-mm. We can't blame Tucci. Emily's not even the fucking villain, the first assistant who did not get to go to fucking Paris, by the way. So sad. So like, sad. That's her dream. The, when she gets hit by the car, I think that's one of <laughs> She doesn't die if you haven't seen the movie, but she does get hit by a car. And it's so funny. One of the most shocking moments in a movie because you don't think that in this movie about a fashion magazine that there's going to be an assistant getting run over. (laughs) But there is. This movie has everything. This movie has it all, baby. Um, If we could rate it, I would rate it a solid three thumbs up. Three thumbs? Out Out of how many? Three. (laughs) Oh, okay. <laughs> One, two, and then my toe. <laughs> um. Anyway, his name is Adrian Grainer. Grenier. Yeah, Grenier. that's what I said. I don't know why you said Adrian Gruyere. Like the cheese. Maybe it's because he talks about cheese a lot in the, True. In the movie. Um, he, I always remember that that line where he's like, this is like $10 of Jarlsberg. <laughs> Anyway, uh, it's a great movie. Yeah, it is. You know, shamelessly love it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a great film. It's a good like sleepover movie. Also, if you, if you really, those. if you actually like fashion, what a good movie. Yeah, like, you know, I guess one of the last things we can touch on is just like the artistry, right? Yeah. So, like you know, you have to give these designers and these seamstresses and like these these people like they're so passionate and they're so mm-hmm. good at what they do. And you know, I could never design a belt that's different from another belt. <laughs> that's not something i could do monica's like uh steve Jobs. she wears the same outfit every day it's very true <laughs> uh i steve my fashion icon <laughs> elizabeth holmes <laughs> number, <laughs> number um, two but anyway shout out if you're in the fashion industry you love this film shout out we love you you're much more talented than i could ever be <laughs> uh and you can probably draw a dress without it looking like two triangles and feet so yeah. i'm well done <laughs> a nice applause to you <laughs> all right so that brings us to our our last movie our last tucci movie mm-hmm. which we're, we're gonna give a little disclaimer before we uh get into talking yeah, about this movie a, a nice solid disclaimer yeah so the movie we're gonna talk about is spotlight mm-hmm. um and if you don't know what the movie is about it's uh, well I'll I'll give the intro to the movie first and then we'll you know right. go into it. So Spotlight was a movie made in 2015. 
directed by Tom McCarthy, written by Tom McCarthy and Josh Singer. And um, Spotlight chronicles the true story of how the Boston Globe's Spotlight team, who is comprised of Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Mark Ruffalo, and Brian Darcy James, uh, how they uncovered the massive scandal of child molestation and cover up within the Catholic archdiocese, shaking the entire Catholic church to its core and revealing the global issue of child sexual abuse within Catholicism. Right. Um, one of the main things we want to say that if, if talking about this kind of thing, Mm -hmm. uh, triggers you in any way. Yeah, definitely. You know, we'll provide timestamps in the show notes and you can go ahead and skip ahead to, uh, the next section. Yeah. Um, or turn it off. We're totally cool with that. We don't, we don't want it to seem like we're making light of, um, the subject matter in the movie just because this is a podcast that's fun where we talk about <laughs> like daddies and, you know, objectifying um, men. performers and men and, uh, what have you, but also just, it's about like the power performance, um, and the power of creation um right like to us a daddy is not necessarily a sexual being i mean we, yeah. we don't we actually i don't know if you guys even we if we ever even told you what a daddy was but yeah it's really not it's it is not at all actually sexual it is incredibly sort of like a, an empowered person who gives a stellar performance and that's why yeah. then that's why uh some daddies are women and that's mm-hmm. why some daddies are you know if we ever get a non-binary uh, actor on here or or what have you like mm-hmm. it, the gender does not matter no and it's not about what they look like um, not at all it's not even yeah it's not even about what they look like i mean i will say if i find them incredibly attractive we will comment on it yeah. obviously but that's not what it's about and so when we talk about this movie on this podcast i don't want anybody to think that you know we're making fun of um what the movie is about because it's really a serious subject matter but stanley tucci's performance in it carries an incredible amount of weight and i think it's one of his m- best feature performances yeah, we had we absolutely had to include it in this round yeah just because um we we don't see him doing a lot of this kind of role Mm-mm. and i think that the power that he gave to it is absolutely stunning and it's yeah. breathtaking and i think that you know they gave they truly you know <laughs> come at me come at me people who who think that this is wrong but I think he gave some of the most incredible lines. He did in the movie, and it's another one of those Stanley Tucci movies where he's not in a ton of the movie, but he care like he. I don't want to say he carries this movie because this movie has so no, many incredible. But he people leaves in it, like a lasting impact. He is an uh, a an essential part of the Absolutely. movie and an essential part of the story because it's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Um, and his character, you know, you wouldn't have the story without him. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know just talking about his performance in general, like one of the lines that he says in the film that truly resonated with me that he said Mm -hmm. pretty early on actually in the film, which I thought was very interesting. Um, But really quick for those of you who don't know, spotlight was like a a small um, investigative journaling team within the Boston globe. So they were secretive, they were private and they only released articles exposing um, really intense stuff and uh, intense news yeah. Every like year or so. Like they did not do this very often. Mm-mm. They would and they would really go deep in their investigation and their research. So just to give people some backstory on like what Spotlight is, like why the movie is called Spotlight, it's literally just named after the investigative uh, journalism team that yeah. rolled uh which we mentioned the actors that were uh that played the characters that were in that yeah. um investigative journalism team. 
Yeah. Um, I think that, so, you know, obviously this has a lot to do with the Catholic church and just in the movie in general, like every single fucking shot has a Catholic church in it. Well, Boston is very Catholic. So Catholic. So Catholic. Uh, very Catholic, very Irish, very Boston. Um, but I think that uh, one of the lines that Tucci's character says, mm-hmm. who play, he plays an attorney. Um, and I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm going to go ahead and let Jessica <laughs> give you his name. So Stanley Tucci's uh, name in this movie is Garabedian. He is an Armenian attorney in Boston. And he is trying to, he's like on the quote unquote, like the good side. Like he's trying yeah, he's, to uncover all of this. And like he's represent legally representing um, the families who are choosing to press charges. Yeah. So, well, he's representing the victims yes. and the families. Um, And so, uh, you know, uh, one thing that I will say before I talk about this line is I like that in the movie they refer to a lot of the victims as survivors, mm-hmm. um, which is very cool in 2015. And it was just it's it's definitely something that uh, this movie touches on a lot. Mm-hmm. It talks about how getting through something like this, especially when it comes to like, you know, having, you know, being a victim or being a survivor um, and having something this terrible done to you by a person in power that represents your faith that represents like God Mm -hmm. um, getting through that and like coming out on the other side of it. Like they refer to them as being like lucky ones or survivors. Like it's true, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, having that kind of unshakable strength and, you know, perseverance and courage and healing like that, that was not shied away from in the movie. And I really, really appreciated that. I think that it was incredibly like it was an incredibly good decision to be able to, you know, they could have it could have just been like a newsroom film. It yeah. really could have it it could have, um, but they decided to include a lot of the victim stories, call that calling them survivors, making sure that um, they showed like every single aspect of this story, and they yeah. did not shy away from it, like no. because you know it was important to get the stories out there. But anyway, um, Tucci as Garabedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mitch Garabedian is his name. <laughs> Mitch. Uh, he says this line call, uh, that that goes, the church thinks in centuries. Do you think your paper has the power to take that on? Yeah. And like the way he delivered the line was so focused and like, like it had the undertone of like, oh, I understand that this is not, like I'm fighting a battle that cannot be won mm-hmm. and I'm doing it fucking anyway. Yeah. Uh, because it's the right thing to do, which I fully appreciate. Yeah. Um, I think, I think his character makes it very clear that this movie or, and the problem at hand in the movie isn't just, it's not just like sexual abuse. I mean, that's a huge no. part of the problem, but that's not the only quote unquote crime being committed. It's, sexual abuse and spiritual abuse because whatever your beliefs about religion may be I don't think you can question the validity that it holds for a lot of people within their own lives mm-hmm. and there's a really good line in the movie where one of the survivors is talking about um being molested and he says it's like god asking you for help who can say no to god right. in reference to a priest asking him to like stay after exactly. and help him and then that's what led to his molestation mm-hmm. Um, and so I think Tucci's character is the one who makes it so clear to these reporters, um, like especially Mark Ruffalo, who has, I think he's the one who 
is the only one interacting with him in the movie, if I remember correctly. Yes. Like he's the only member of Spotlight who actually mm-hmm. talks to him. Um, he makes it very clear to him, like, this isn't just like a, like a sex crime. It's also like a faith crime. And in this city, especially, you have to understand how much weight that holds. How much power the church has. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Tucci Garbini is an Armenian man. He's not, you know, like he's an other quote unquote right. in he, Boston. Which he taught, he says to uh, Mark Ruffalo's character, yeah. he's like, I'm an outsider. That's how I was able to see this. That's why I'm yeah. fighting on this because in obviously in Boston, very Catholic town, mm-hmm. never been here. It's lovely. Um, <laughs> it I, <is>. it's nice. <laughs> I think that uh, the way that, that Tucci was, or, you know, Tucci's character was talking about him being able to see mm-hmm. the like indiscretions, the hiding, the the crime the you know all of it he was like and the only reason i was able to see was because i was an outsider which the boston globe had just hired a new editor and he's jewish and so for everyone to uh sort of skeptically bring him in and like you could feel the movie give you like the undertones of he is very much othered Mm -hmm. by the people in his community not just because he's not from there because he i i'm sure I'm almost certain that he actually is from Boston and then moved away and came back. Um, but he's othered in that, like, he's not Catholic and he doesn't yeah. understand, like, the weight. Or it's not that he doesn't understand it, but, like, he doesn't, he's not bothered by the weight that the Catholic Church holds over the city. Yeah, there's a really wonderful parallel that the movie makes between um, Stanley, Tucci char- Stanley Tucci's character and uh, Liev Schreiber's character and he Liev mm-hmm. Schreiber's the guy okay. who plays the new editor of of the globe because Spotlight didn't want to take on the issue not because I don't think it was because they thought it was too big they were just like well what's the story like exactly like this has There's been no settled here. yeah um and so and he's the one it takes an outsider's perspective to like mm-hmm. make progress and so I really liked seeing those it, it was almost like like Liev Schreiber and Stanley Tucci were like two little like bookends or like the front and the back of the train (laughs) (laughs) the caboose and the engine yeah exactly um yeah i liked that a lot and i think it helped provide a lot of um a lot of the weight a lot of like the gravitas Mm -hmm. that this movie has definitely um one thing that i do like about the way that tucci and i I, again i i'm this is based on a true story Mm -hmm. and i don't know how much of tu- how much tuchiness was infused into his character versus like what is what the what the person actually was like but i do enjoy that he the the like what he chose to do with that character yeah. um was very like the way that he was perceived was mm-hmm. like being an asshole yeah being you know loud and like yelling at everyone and not caring about, about other people's time mm-hmm. like very self-centered um attorney like classic stereotype right um but the way that he talked to the survivors and like the way that he talked mm-hmm. to his clients like the shift was remarkable yeah um like you know he 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 brought in a, a couple of children you know to talk to them and their mom which is just sad in and of itself and awful but the way that he handled them and like the mm-hmm. way that he talked to them like there was a a really remarkable shift between like how he talked to mark ruffalo's character and other characters and then like showing that he was truly passionate about his job Mm -hmm. and understood like what difference he could make yeah 
and that and you see like his actual personality shine through which you know that that could only be done by like a really seasoned phenomenal actor no totally he makes um a lot of really incredible choices in, in this movie and i think one of my favorite parts of his performance is that he does such a good job of like not showing his cards because it's not that he's not on one side or the other exactly but you would think that okay like he's the eternity uh, the eternity he's an eternity <laughs> he's the attorney fighting for justice so you would think that like as soon as a reporter comes in who wants to talk about exposing the catholic church you would think like oh they're gonna be on the same side and mitch garabinian isn't on anyone's he's, side. he's not on anyone's well, side well he's not on the side of the church or the reporters he's just like i'm on the side of justice well he's on the side of the survivors yeah that's all that is the those are the only people he cares about because he's like when mark ruffalo's character wants to come in mm-hmm. and interview one of them he's like that's enough yeah right like he's the one who's in control and he's very protective mm-hmm. over you know his clients who are the survivors of the sexual abuse yeah like you know, you see where he draws his lines, like where, where, where the morality lies, where the ethics lie with him yeah, and where he doesn't. And I think that, you know, obviously because one could argue like, oh, you know, it's, it's morally wrong. It's ethically wrong to go against the church, to go against God. Yeah. Right. No, like he knows where he's drawing his lines and, you know, you can really appreciate that in him and appreciate that in, in an attorney and being that character and that voice of, I'm not on your side. I'm not on the church's side. I am on the survivor's side. Yeah. That is the side that I am on. You can really appreciate that and under, and understand the weight that it holds because he's going against so many more powerful people, including the side that wants to expose the church. Yeah. And you see like a really interesting foil almost in Billy Crudup's character mm-hmm. who he plays the attorney who like years prior had helped settle the cases that were previously brought up yes um and at first you think he's just like he's an asshole he's an asshole he's covering for these guys and then you find out that like he had tried to expose them and to like get the press on his side so that he could have the power to go after them yeah have the power to go after them because you can't go after the church without the press no is what the whole thing is in the movie um and the press didn't respond and so now he's pushed into this place where it seems like he's just like a complacent asshole whereas you have stanley tucci's character who isn't that and so you get these like two sides of what it must be like morally (laughs) to to be a, a lawyer in in that um scenario and it's just seeing those two different characters back to back is is really interesting i think absolutely and then you you know on the flip side you see the reporters right and like michael keaton's character who is like the head yeah of spotlight mm-hmm. he you know you think from the very beginning like this guy is on the side of justice this guy is the one who is going to you know break the story like th- he cares and then you know you know hand in hand with that you find out that you know he got 20 names mm-hmm. on his desk of you know of these incidents and these people and he did nothing yeah right so like he he, he ignored it and yeah, you like understand years prior this had happened yeah. and, and he's you, like i don't even remember exactly he doesn't even remember he didn't think twice yeah and so you just you see how complex mm-hmm. this these issues are and how complex the situation is and what everyone in every position of power had to ignore or not ignore in order to do the right thing. Yeah, it's it it gives you there are so many layers to this issue beyond just like the crime itself. 
and what's happening in at the newspaper. It's such a good movie. Like I love all of the scenes that happen with Rachel McAdams's family. Like oh, whenever yeah. she's talking to her her grandmother because her grandmother's like a super devout Catholic, but like Rachel McAdams is working on uncovering this you absolutely know, like this mm-hmm. case. Mm-hmm. It gives it so so many layers and um like really honors the complexity of the issue without letting the issue slide. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, like, I love the movie because no one was safe. Yeah. I like that the movie did not pick as as we keep talking about like a side. Mm-hmm. Right. The movie itself was like everyone fucked up like no one did these victims these survivors justice Mm -hmm. no one everyone fucked up in their own way tuki's character like every single human being in this film Mm -hmm. did not do what they were supposed to do and you know it a lot of this movie is about forgiveness a lot of this movie is about healing a lot of this movie is about like if you're in a position of power like what would you do yeah right it, when there is something on your desk, you know, figuratively, although sure. this, this happens literally in the film, yeah. but if, <laughs> if something comes across your desk and it is, you know, something that could potentially be a little bit spicy or a little bit, you know, out there um, and it, and you could expose it and help a ton of people like, would you? Yeah. Would you really like, is that something that you would actually do? Because the answer in this film is yes and no. <laughs> like you might not sometimes. And then other times you might, you could, mm-hmm. and it, and in this case becomes a global issue. I mean, it, it's always been a global issue. Let's clarify the Catholic church's, uh, uh interesting a way, <laughs> <laughs> a certain way. Uh, and I, I was raised a Catholic, but you know, I also, I think a lot of uh, Latino people were raised yeah. Catholic. So it's very interesting to watch this as like someone who grew up Catholic and then obviously strayed, yeah, because the church is because uh, the Catholic church, Catholic church still gives me a lot of like nostalgia um, and in a weird way feels like comforting because yeah. that's how you were raised. Mm-hmm. But it's also just like a big flaming garbage pile. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it really it really makes you think like if I came across this issue, would I do anything about it? And if I did something about it, would I realize that it's like large it's much much larger than me or even like my town or my Mm -hmm. city or my state like it's this is global they give you a whole list of cities globally at the end of the movie of where um priest molestation cases came up yep and it's hauntingly long and the reality is they couldn't have gotten every single one no you think about it and you're like fuck like (laughs) this is you know it's a substantial list but like what what about everyone who who you know creeped back into the shadows like what about what about everyone who who didn't get named yeah right so um yeah you know and and i guess you know going hand in hand with like what we're talking about mark ruffalo's character talked you know had a speech in the film Mm -hmm. uh that was very similar to like what we just talked about, which was, you know, he grew up Catholic straight away and then was like almost like in tears being like to Rachel McAdams character Mm -hmm. goes over to her house and they have like a drink. Um, He's like, you know, I always found a sense of comfort in it. And I thought that when I was older, I would go back to it. And now I can't like now, you know, he knows too much. he, He understands too much. And he's like, and that was taken away from me. And, it you know it really puts into perspective like how massive this issue is and Mm -hmm. how again it's an onion 
how many layers right so many uh because you know this this changed the faith of so many people simply because the organization that controls it mm-hmm. fucked up big time I, I think even more disturbingly so it didn't change the faith of so many people that is true so and then for this movie to go on to win best picture oh, what wow. like what an achievement in my opinion um yeah you know we we, we talk shit about the oscars but you know <laughs> winning one would be S- sometimes nice. sometimes they make a statement <laughs> sometimes sometimes it it really uh it really brings home the bacon as they say yeah exactly um just watch this movie it's very impactful um once again and it's really good yeah it's really fucking good and there are funny parts of this movie the writing is impeccable yeah they they it's so human in the sense that like it's heavy but like there's humor um in it from from everyone so yeah uh go watch this film again once again if you are sort of triggered by these these kinds of things if if these things make you queasy or you know upset or or upset or what have you you know you don't have to watch it but you know it is a if you can get past anything Mm -hmm. it is an incredible film to watch and you watch this incredible healing process with a lot of the survivors and the victims and i think that tucci tucci's performance really solidified this movie for me because of all of his incredible line delivery and uh just his performance in general go watch this film if you haven't already yeah this oscar winning film (laughs) this incredible film we love it it's full beyond tucci it's full of daddies all of them michael keaton michael keaton rachel mcadams brian darcy james who's a musical theater daddy who i know transitioned into feature isn't that crazy and is in this movie and he does such a good job so incredible he has one of my most favorite parts of the movie which is when he realizes one of the priests lives around the corner and he runs and the and the shot follows him running and it's so oh my god and you don't know and the thing is as as an audience member Mm -hmm. you do not know that he has found this house and you're like why the fuck is he yeah why is he running running out of the house what's going it it's such a good moment and it's an incredible shot too so it's just it's so good and then in the next scene after that is just him like putting up the like house yeah, and the address the house, yeah. on his fridge and he's like don't fucking go near this he's like kids house. do not go near this house uh, and you just see his fucking determination his grit he's a daddy we love him mm-hmm. uh full of daddies yeah absolutely um but yeah that was spotlight uh, and that was stanley tucci and that was stanley tucci watch all of his movies all of him he has some incredible roles that we just didn't mention because there's too many julia burlesque oh my god uh, burlesque easy a easy a. he i think he's the best part of easy a personally he is the best part of easy him a. and patricia clarkson oh um god. give the beautiful <laughs> they're the best parts of that movie yeah but um you know i hope uh, part of the reason why we even put you know big night and mm-hmm. spotlight in the same film was to show you like his range yeah like, what he can do you know, we put ourselves in an uncomfortable position so you could see <laughs> what the Tooch can do. Yeah, exactly. He uh, is capable of so, so much. And doesn't get enough credit, I think. I mean, everyone thinks he's good, but like... No one thinks he's great, and we're here to change that. <laughs> I, I mean, I do think people think he's great. I just, he's not getting, like, recognition like other people no. are. Yeah. No. So. That's Stanley Tucci, guys. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed. But uh, let's go into let's answer a question. Okay, let's answer one one of the questions. What's the question, Monica? What would John Favreau do? No, that's not the question. <laughs> that's the name of the segment. Okay, we have a question. 
Yeah. Someone asks anonymous anonymous Annie. What's the worst movie you have ever seen? <laughs> I know the answer. <laughs> this is hard for me. This is really easy for me. Because this movie, I, this movie, this question, I think has like two sides in my mind. Right. Where I'm like, there, there, I mean, I've seen absolute garbage films, like fucking, you right. know, Hallmark movies or whatever the fuck. Love. Um, <laughs> but there are movies that I personally like hated, mm-hmm. not because it was a bad movie, but because of how much, uh, how bad I felt after watching it. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's what and I And then there's about. movies where I'm like, this was trying so hard to be good and it was so fucking bad. And that's, that's a, a terrible movie too. So, yeah. you know, um, I'm going to go ahead and answer this question in the sense of like, what movie did I watch that I would quite literally never fucking watch again? Yeah. If you paid me a million dollars, a million, um, you would watch it for a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, would. You'd watch <laughs> it for a thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Send me money. <laughs> um, the movie that I would not watch again, uh-huh. No money involved um, because I left the movie theater literally wanting to kill myself. Yeah. And like holding my tum tum and like crying uh-huh. uh, was mother. By, and you have to say it like that because it has an exclamation yes. point. Mother, mother. By <laughs> Darren Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky. Fuck that guy. So, <laughs> Black Swan was good. This movie was trash. <laughs> they ate an entire baby in this film and did not shy away from showing it on screen, which, you know, as you listen to this, to this podcast, you'll uh-huh. like understand. I do not enjoy children anything on screen, like yeah. doing anything to children, murdering them. You know, this, it's the reason why I haven't seen Hereditary yet. I heard that there's like a scene where like a child's head gets chopped off. You can close your eyes for that part and still watch the movie. I which know. I hot take over here. I didn't find hereditary scary. I'm just Ooh. putting that out there. But Ooh. <laughs> anyway. Uh anyway, yeah, no. Mother was really bad. Was it bad for any reason other than the um, child? Yeah, it tried it was a try hard ass film. Okay. It was one of those filmy films that a lot of like film bros probably really loved because it was like, oh, it was a fucking allegory. Can con- yeah, I can uh, confirm that a lot of bros love it. Yeah, it wasn't I guess you just didn't understand it because it was an allegory for religion and like Mother Earth and Catholicism and there was a lot of like you know, Bible verses, like, you know, like, have you ever read the Bible? Like, if you haven't read the Bible, then I guess you would not know that, you know, in my, in my sophomore year of literature, like, in film class, we discuss, like, this sort of, like, a, you know, fuck that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was a long-ass bit, Monica. <laughs> you know, I really commit to the bit. Um, but, yeah, uh, no, I did not appreciate it. Okay. Uh, I thought, you know, the one thing that, that I will say is, I'm not a fan of Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, girl, me neither. Thank uh, God. But uh, she was actually pretty good. Okay, I was I was <laughs> waiting for you to say she was bad. No, I don't like her in like anything else. But for some reason, she was like one of the only. Admirable. It's saying a lot that Jennifer Lawrence was the only redeeming part of a film for you. Yeah, in my opinion. Uh, also, Sorry. Uh, also, uh, d- another daddy, Michelle Pfeiffer, was in that film, and I liked oh, seeing really? her in it. I, I didn't love think Michelle Pfeiffer. We love we love her. Uh, I love that she's the, a big a big enough star to where like songs can have her name in it. That's cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like she's in that song classic. Yeah, she's in classic. Oh, uh, she's also in Riptide. Oh, you're <laughs> the right. The song yeah. Riptide. <laughs> uh, go check it out. We'll have a playlist. Game. We, we have. No We're playlist. not making a playlist. We're not you doing can this, this on your own. That's so hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, don't please don't watch it. Okay, like okay. 
I'm telling you don't watch it, do whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go back and apologize to Jeanette for Lawrence if I was mean to her just then. I just... You know, I'm sure you're very nice. I respect sure you. Really I respect nice. you as a performer. Yes, no, exactly, exactly. Literally. Ma- mad respect, just not my taste. Just to show you, like, how unbiased we are. I just fucking, it's a terrible film. Okay. But her performance was perfectly good in it. She was good. Okay. Whatever. Anyway, what's, what is your, what is Jessica's, like, the worst movie she's ever seen? What okay. is it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, like, a, a short-dish, um, like, two-sided answer. Okay as are with most things with me (laughs) so the movie that made me feel the absolute worst that i would never ever ever watch again is the film ai (laughs) unpopular opinion i know but like i i mean i liked the movie in the sense that i thought it was good and like the performances were really good and it was a really interesting movie but I have a big problem with anything that makes me think of my own mortality and like sends me into existential dread. And I shit oh, really, you, I love that. I shit you not. I was depressed for three days after them. I was like no. so incredibly sad. And I'm, I just like, I watched it with my boyfriend and I was like, I'm never watching that movie again, ever. Maybe you shouldn't watch Gattaca. Oh, well, I won't. Cause I've never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> But um, the actual, the legit like worst movie I've ever seen, and this is recent. This was two days ago. Oh no! When Monica told me that we had this question waiting, I was like, "What am I gonna say?" Because like I can't think of a movie that I think is like absolutely horrendous. Um, that you know was like trying to be good. Amen. Um, and then I got the gift of seeing the tax collector. Jesus fuck! With Shia LaBeouf and Bobby Soto. No hate to Shia, by the way. We love him. Um. Same guy who wrote Training Day. But let me tell you, this movie, fucking awful. (laughs) Apparently it got a lot of shit before it was released because Shia LaBeouf is playing a character within like, like Mexican gangs in Los Angeles. Oh no. And they were like, it's brown face, it's brown face. And the filmmaker was like, he plays a white character. And so like, please shut up. And so when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay. It might be interesting. Watch it. He does an accent the whole movie, and you, they never m- say that he's a white character. No. So you fully think he's suppo- he's trying to be a Mexican character, but, like, isn't? <laughs> it's horrendous. The writing is so bad, I can't even say that, like, the performances were good. Uh Here's what I'll say. Remember when I, I listeners, do you remember when I said, uh, no hate to Shia, we love him? I, I wish to rescind that comment. He also, he also, his name in the, his character's name is Creeper in the movie. And <laughs> he, he, so the whole premise of the movie is that Bobby Soto and Shia LaBeouf are these two like Mexican gangsters who are collecting money from all of the gangs like collecting quote unquote taxes from all of the gangs in Los Angeles who have like pulled off heists or run drugs or whatever the fuck they're collecting like their portion of taxes to give to this guy named the wizard who is like the, the, the head honcho. You get no background as to like how this person is the head or why, or like why they're entitled to quote unquote taxes. But yeah, so that's like that, that's what's going on. 
And Shia LaBeouf's wow. character's name Creeper. He got a full torso tattoo with the word Creeper across his stomach. No. He got it in real life for the movie when you don't see the tattoo for more than three seconds. And he's covered in blood so you can barely see it. This fucker got a real ass full torso tattoo. It is horrendous. Shia. <laughs> oh my God. I'm concerned. Um, I'm really torn here because apparently this movie was supposed to be like really good representation for Chicanos and no. Mexicans. Guess it's not. Um, I can only take your word for it. It's like horribly melodramatic. And I guess you could kind of argue that it's almost like if they took a telenovela and they amplified it a little bit and turned it into a movie. But the writing is so bad that you can't even say like, oh, it's just a different style because it's just awful. There's no, zero depth to the characters. You don't you don't feel bad when anything bad happens. The one good part, I will say, and this. Oh, yeah. There's one good part. There's a character in Training Day named Bone. Bone. We'll probably talk about Training Day at some point when we do like the Denzel <laughs> episode or something because I really like that movie. But so there's a character named Bone in Training Day and he brings him back in this movie. Character is named the same thing. He's also no named Bone. Way. And you're just like, is this supposed to be like a fucking crossover movie? Maybe. In the same universe? Oh and my he God. Like, he helps you coming for you. He helps Bobby Soto like avenge the death of his wife. No And he's like the way. only good person in the movie, even though he's like in a gang. He's a blood, I think, in the movie. And so it's just, oh, what no a fucking way. wild ride, man. Oh my God. Well, you know what? I'm all I'm always up for movies that, you know, give Chicanos and Latinos jobs, but mm -hmm. not at the expense of Shia LaBeouf's torso. So no. let's move on. <laughs> let's move on from that. I guess Jessica, should people watch it or not? I don't I'm conflicted because like I want you to see how bad it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, for example, I'm like, don't watch Mother. Like, it'll be out on August 7th. I think the Arclight was doing, like, a pre preview thing, so we saw it at a drive-in. Oh. But, oh, God. I just, like, watch it if you're curious, I guess. I don't fucking know. Like, Shia LaBeouf tries really hard. Bobby Soto tries really hard. But the writing is such absolute trash that I think that them trying hard almost makes it worse. There you have it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> watch at your own risk. <laughs> uh. Cool. Well, yeah. you know what? Let's move on to the dabbling. What did you dabble in? What did I dabble in? I know what I dabbled in. And you know what? I know what we both dabbled in. Okay, yeah. You tell uh, them. Listeners, you cannot see our uh, shirts right now. Mm -mm. But we currently have two t-shirts from probably the greatest uh, little movie lover shop known to man. Yeah, that we discovered so conveniently right when we decided to start this pod. Which was kind of crazy. Podcast. But now we're like giving them all of our money. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's called... Super Yaki. Yeah, it's spelled super Y-A-K-I. Y-A-K-I. Super spelled like Superman, but without the man. Yeah. Huh. But uh, just selling like the the best movie merch from like, not necessarily like obscure films, but. But like just great films that not a lot of people talk about. That nobody would make merch about ever. Not about. Not, <laughs> not ever. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I have a t-shirt that says, it's very soft, by the way. So if you want to go go ahead and sh uh, a, a nice little plug if you want to go buy yourself these shirts yeah. my review on them is they're soft as fuck super soft and really great quality and the print is phenomenal but anyway it says it's a ryan johnson who done it comma duh 
<laughs> and it, it's a it's a Knives Out merch. I love that movie. I love that fucking film. It's phenomenal. Uh, we'll talk about that, I guess, later. Maybe. Soon. Who Someday. knows? Eventually. Um, I have a really... Uh, I... I kind of screamed when I saw this short on the website. Amazing. Mine says original score by Carter Burwell, but it's written in the goofy movie <laughs> font because if you don't know Carter Burwell, who's like a legit composer, did the Amazing. score for the goofy movie. <laughs> Which was just so Which crazy. Was so fucking good. Oh Which, my God. That, a goofy movie is an, is an amazing film. It's so good. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but yeah, we, is Goofy a daddy? Can we talk about him? Goofy is a daddy. You know who? <laughs> you know that movie was released what in like 1994? I think so. Uh, you know Max would technically be old enough to be a daddy now. That's true. So where's he at now? Uh, we, we're talking about like a daddy and a granddaddy situation mm-hmm. right here. Um, but yeah, so th- that's that's both of our dabblings. We've we yeah we just, discovered the shop and like really love it and yeah it aligns really well with like what we like and what we're talking about on this podcast. Yeah. So. I also got a sticker that says Crimson Peak was good. For yeah. those of you who didn't fucking know, it's a good fucking film. You also have the other one. Yeah, it's that that one's on my laptop. This one's on my water bottle. Yeah. But the one on my laptop says, <laughs> Judy Greer should have been the lead. Ugh. And I agree. That's my motto, honestly. We love her. <laughs> we love her. Uh, anyway, yeah. That, yeah. was, that was the uh, Stanley Tucci episode. I, mm-hmm. hope, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys go... Watch a Stanley Tucci film. Yeah. If not Big Night, uh, Devil Wears Prada, or Spotlight, then go watch Easy A. Go watch Burlesque. Watch uh, pretty much anything he's in, you guys. He's really, really, really good. He's a phenomenal actor. Buy his cookbook. Yeah, buy one of his cookbooks. He made really good, like, videos during quarantine of himself making cocktails. We love That kind of blew up. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Enjoy, enjoy his presence in your mm-hmm. life. I hope you bring him into your life through, yeah. your, through your screen, through your eyes, or through mm. honestly anything. <laughs> I was going to say any orifice, but that's any really orifice. gross. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. All I right. hope you enjoyed. All right. Love you guys. Love you guys. Oh, Love and uh, don't sue us, Daddy Favreau. Yeah, don't sue us, Daddy Favreau. Thanks, John. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.